Fantastic. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Year. I'll say that again. Happy New Year. Great. Okay, so what a fantastic way to start the new year, to begin worshipping God, to say goodbye to 2017 and to launch into 2018. I am so excited about this year. So as we begin this talk for today, let's just remind ourselves as to exactly where we are. Yes, we're in Grace Church building. And it's 2017. No, it's 2018, right? But where exactly are we in terms of the biblical scene? Well, the Bible says all the days between the first coming of Jesus to the second coming of Jesus are what are called uh, the last days. So we are living in the last days. And that time is a time marked by the Holy Spirit. It is the age of the Holy Spirit. And Joel the prophet who lived hundreds of years before Christ said a day will come when those who live after the first advent of Jesus will be filled with the Holy Spirit. My sons and my daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision and your old men will dream dreams. In other words, it will be an age when people will be known not so much by um, their identity, their national identity, but by this identity of being spirit-filled people. And as a church, one of the visions that we have is that we would be an Antioch church. So what does that look like? Well, you've heard a whole sermon series on this, so I'm not going to go into detail. But essentially, soon after Jesus ascended to heaven, some years later, this new church was formed. And it wasn't like the church in Jerusalem. Its nature and its development was very different because there were no known names there. In Jerusalem, they had the great Peter and and, uh, Andrew and James and John. These people founded this church. But this church, Antioch, it wasn't even founded by the great apostle Paul. Who founded it? Unknown, unnamed believers, men of Cyrene, men of Cyprus, witnessed to Greeks, and many were saved and converted. And they established themselves into a community to worship God together. And into that context came the Apostle Paul and he taught them. And in Acts 11.26, it says that the believers were first called Christians in Antioch. And I just want to dwell on that thought for a moment as our opening thought for today. What is a Christian? Is it that which identifies his beliefs or his understanding? No, what this was, was a description of the way these people were living. It was their lifestyle. They were people filled with God's love and God's power. And through that love and power, they literally transformed Antioch and sent men and women out into the surrounding regions and across the Roman world to change the face of the Roman world. But what does this word Christian mean? It means an anointed one. So if we're going to be an Antioch church, an Antioch people, we need to be individuals who are anointed. People filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with God's love and God's power. So why don't we begin 2018 by nailing our colours to the mast, as they say. I will be a true Christian, an anointed one. I'm forgetting what 
I was in 2017 and in previous years gone by. This year, I want to be marked out by the life that I live, the love that I move in, the power that I move in. I want to be a true Christian. Let's close our eyes and pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will take us to a new place this year. I pray beginning right now in this moment, Lord, not at the end of the sermon, not next week or in the spring or the summer, but right now, by the grace of God, we would step into the anointing, Lord, the presence and the power and the love of Jesus Christ that we will begin to go in ministry and step out in power and move in acts of kindness as we have never done before. Heavenly Father, let your spirit rest on us now. Open wide the door of your heart right now. Don't wait for the end of this sermon. Right now, open your heart. Swing wide the doors of your heart and welcome God the Holy Spirit in. Receive, drink, be immersed in the Holy Spirit for we can do nothing without him and it's only with him that we could ever be an anointed person, anointed with the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now, be working powerfully in us and take us to the next level, to a new dimension of the dynamic of the Holy Spirit. And I pray this for your glory. Hallelujah. Keep receiving, brothers and sisters. This is not a sermon that I'm going to teach you finely honed truths. I want us to go back to the ancient paths, as the prophet said. I want us to engage with God. So throughout this sermon, please just encounter God. That's what I want. It's not about my eloquence or my great teaching, but it's about living in an encounter with God. And so when I asked the Lord, what shall I preach on this year? I felt the Lord say to me, Isaiah 60, verse 1 and 2. So here we go. This is the verse that God has given me for us to begin our year. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. It's time to arise and to shine as never before. Oh, just say that in your heart as never before. I want to let go of 2017, of all that I have been. I want to arise and shine. So why is it the time to arise and shine? Because our light has come. Isaiah, who lived 600 years or so before Christ, saw a day when God himself would visit the earth, the light of the world. He arose and he shone and he died and he rose again that men and women might experience forgiveness and peace and eternal life. He saw a day that there would be a generation of people who lived on the earth, that's you and me right now, who live on the earth, who have experienced the coming of God upon the earth. That's why we should arise and shine, because our light has come. But make it personal. It's not just about us as a whole group. Take it into your heart. My light has come. 
My Savior has come. He died and rose for me. I know the forgiveness of my sins. I have peace with God. And by his grace, I'm enjoying a living relationship with him, which is eternal life. Secondly, we should arise and shine because darkness covers the earth. Darkness covers the earth. Oh, I am so thrilled at the progress of the gospel. It is said that something like 100,000 men and women come to Christ every day. Isn't that awesome? The gospel is growing as never before. And yet, and yet, two-thirds of our planet lives in darkness and do not know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. This is the truth. Every minute that I am speaking to you now, over 85 people will die a Christless death. Sobering, isn't it? Darkness covers the earth. And Isaiah goes on to say, thick darkness covers the people. And he's not just talking about the unreached people groups in Asia and in Africa and South America. He is talking about the people who live right around this building. I rejoice that it is declared that something like 15,000 born-again, committed Christians are serving God in this city. But beloved, do you know how many people there are living in Nottingham? Over 600,000 people live in Nottingham. What is happening to those hundreds of thousands? And who will go? Who will reach those people? Will you? Will you arise? Will you shine? Will you go? Will you touch their lives? What does it mean to arise and shine? You may say, yes, Pete, I I want to arise. I want to shine. What do I do? Well, to arise, I mean, I believe means to embrace with all your heart the calling to be a light and a witness for Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. But he then said, you are now the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are my hands. You are my eyes. You are my feet. Go in my name and bring the light of the gospel to people and you know this is the truth and this is what I found in my life that you know for decades I've lived not leading people to Christ but since I started leading people to Jesus there is no greater joy there is no greater delight than seeing people come to Christ that is the greatest joy that exists upon this earth so let us arise and let us shine The prophet said, Isaiah, the glory of the Lord rises upon you. The glory of the Lord appears upon you. What is that talking about? It's talking about this age in which we now live, of which we are to be hallmarked by. An age where we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the love and the power of God that we might serve him with all our hearts and souls. That we might let the love and peace of God flow through us. For we are his hands, his feet, his eyes, his mouthpiece. That we might touch the world as never before. Even now in your heart, just say, yes, I want to touch this world with the love and the power of God. How do we then arise and shine? going to look at a few wonderful characters we're going to begin with the most famous of them all who arose and shone the light of the world Jesus 
How did he arise and how did he shine? Well, Luke 3.21 says, When all the people were being baptised, he stepped out of obscurity. 30 years, complete obscurity. Let that be an encouragement to us. We can step out of obscurity into the light, into a life of power and ministry. When all the people were being baptised, another man, his name was Jesus, was baptised too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. Please note, it says, as he was praying, heaven opened. Who was this person? Yes, he was the son of God, but he was also the son of man. As a man, Jesus opened heaven. Through the words of a man, heaven opened and the Spirit of God came down upon him. Let that be an encouragement to us that we also can open heaven over our lives. It doesn't matter what the temperature is all around us. You can be in the midst of a blizzard spiritually and be burning hot for Jesus. Open heaven. Open heaven. And so Jesus became the embodiment of Jeremiah 2.13, the fountain of living water, as he continued to worship and pray, he remained anointed, filled. John says, the one who was closest to him, he received the spirit without limit because he lived in a constant communion and prayer with his father. And again, I want to emphasize this. How did he do this? He did it as a man. He was flesh and blood as a man. So whether you are a man or a woman here today, open heaven, drink as you've never drunk before. And so great was the expectation of Jesus that ordinary men and women would move as he moved. Before he left his disciples, he says, all those who believe in me. He didn't even say those who are baptized in the Spirit. He just said, anyone who believes in me, will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will speak in new languages. They will drive out demons, break the chains of which we've been singing about today and will know the divine protection of God upon their lives. Let's move on to the disciples. Did they fulfill the promise and the calling of God upon them? Well, we read in Acts 1.14... In obedience to Jesus, they all joined constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They prayed. Heaven opened. The wind fell and the fire fell, and the rest is history, isn't it? That's why we're sitting in our chairs here today, because of what happened on that day. The Spirit of God invaded planet Earth. And these men and women changed the world. How did they do it? They remained in a place of constant personal revival, regardless of the Roman Empire, of polytheism, of Hinduism, of Buddhism, of every other ism that stood in front of them, and the devil himself. They went and they changed and transformed the world. Men and women just like you and me, so what does it mean to live in personal revival? 
Well, here's a few adjectives for you. They were fervent, passionate, zealous, enthusiastic, anointed, spirit-filled, energized, bold, faith-filled, and unstoppable. (laughs) That's what Mark, these men, if you were to describe them, if it was to be in the daily Jerusalem news, this is what you would read about these people. It was a lifestyle. It wasn't a title, I'm a Christian. I'm different from certain others on this earth. No, I live in a vigor, in a vitality, in a dynamic that only God can impart by the Holy Spirit. So what does it mean to pray? How do we open heaven? How do we open heaven? Beloved, it's not about bringing our shopping lists to God. It's not about praying the Lord's Prayer, although that's a wonderful prayer to pray. It's about hungering every day for daily encounter with God. It's about saying, God, I want you more than anything else I want in my life today. I want it more than the food I'm going to eat, more than my work, more than the the, the cinema I'm going to go to. I want you more than anything else in my life. I hunger for encounter with you. And beloved, one prayer like that will rend the heavens and the Spirit of God will come flooding down upon you. And you will know a dynamic It will transform your life. Prayer is living relationship with Jesus. It's about having face-to-face contact with God himself through the person of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, may God bless us with this. Receive it right now. Forget last year. Forget last year. And brothers and sisters, it's not about, oh yes, I'm going to spend an hour in prayer tomorrow because of what Pete said. No! Let your heart open right now and say, yes, I'm going to step into this, Lord. It's not about length of time. It's about quality interface. Do you understand that? Right? It's about engaging in a way you've never engaged before. Let's move on to one of my favourite women in the Bible. She's found in John 4 known as the woman at the well. So Jesus is moving around Israel with his disciples. They've gone off to get the lunch and Jesus is having this conversation with this lady and he perceives that there's a hunger in this woman's heart for the truth, for a reality. She's had it all. She's done it all. She's lived it all. But her soul is empty There is a fire that she's never known and she wants it. Jesus senses it. And he says to her in John 4, somewhere, John 4, where are we? Everyone, verse 13, who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, pointing at the well of Jacob. Ordinary living water, it won't satisfy you. Beloved, have you got that? The living water of this world will not satisfy you. I went and saw Star Wars in the holidays. Fantastic film. But I'd rather have one minute in the presence of my God and soar to the heavens, right, than watch Luke Skywalker doing it. Wouldn't you? (laughs) Right? The water of this world won't satisfy you, but the water of God will. What did he say to her? Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. You can take the greatest drug, 
the greatest acid. I've been there, I've done that. It doesn't satisfy. You can have the greatest relationship on earth. It won't satisfy you. You could go on the most glorious tropical holiday. It won't satisfy you. But what did Jesus say? Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a fount of living water, springing up to eternal life. She drank and her life was changed forever. And she ran in the power of that. In fact, immediately she ran and found all the people in Samaria, hordes of them, and brought them to Jesus. And they believed because of her witness. She became one who shone. And our biblical record ends there. But the story doesn't end there. What happened to this lady? Well, the Eastern Orthodox and Catholic traditions say that when she was baptised, she was given a new name, Fodini, which in Greek means shining one. That was her new name, Fodini. And she was reputed together with her sisters to have been at the day of Pentecost, received the Holy Spirit and ran in the power of God for the rest of her life, reputedly leading more men and women to Christ than the apostles themselves. And finally, audaciously, she led Nero's, Emperor Nero's sister to Christ and he was so outraged he martyred her for her faith. That's for Denis. She lived in a state of permanent drinking, love, power for God. Praise God for Fodini. I love her. She's a wonderful saint, isn't she? And let's move on to the present. Almost the present. We'll go to the 17th century and talk about William Carey for a few moments. Some of you may know of him, most of you won't. He's known as the father of the modern missionary movement. Born in the 1700s, he became a teenager. In his teenage years, he came to Christ. And he read of Captain Cook's voyages. And it inspired him. What if we could take the gospel to these unreached people in India and other parts of the world? And so, when he was about 28 years old, he founded, together with a few others, the Baptist Missionary Society. And they put some money together. Those of you remember old money, 13 pound, two and six. And they said, right, we will attempt to reach the world. How audacious was that? A tiny group of people. By the way, this man I'm telling you about was born in Northampton, preached in Maid Marian Way. I'll tell you a bit more about that in a minute. And so in 1792, he put himself forward to be the first to go. And he went to India. And he toiled for God in India for the next nearly 50 years, which was, which was outrageous. Westerners never survived more than seven years on the mission field. He outlived three wives. But in those first seven years, he, can, he, he, he translated this, the New Testament into Bengali. And in those seven years, he led people to Christ, but they never stayed with it. But after seven years, one did, Krishna Pal, this wonderful man, and he became an evangelist. And he was the first of 1,407 men and women that he personally baptised. Churches were founded. Scriptures were translated. Schools were founded. Hospitals. He impacted the world right through to this day. 
and reputedly in Maid Marian Way, in a church that isn't there anymore, there is a plaque on the wall. He was the one who still inspires us with the word. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Will you have an expectation? Will you expect great things from God? And will you attempt great things for God? Don't just have the expectation. Step into it. Because that is what God is calling us to. He's already said it prophetically in our worship. And at the very end of his life, they said to him, Mr. Carey, what do you put your great achievements down to? And he said, well, I only know this in his quaint 18th century language, he said, I know how to plod. What did he mean? And this is what he meant. Daily he would rise and he would spend time encountering God, spending time in the presence of God, being energized by God. And that's why he was able to run and accomplish all that he did. Bless him. Hero of mine. Unless you say, well, yeah, that's fine, Pete. Back in those days, it was easy, wasn't it, to do that stuff? I want to tell you about another lady, wonderful lady called Heidi Baker. Some of you know about her. In 1994, she and her husband, Roland, had been in Mozambique for 17 years. They toiled hard underwent many sacrifices, and yet for all of that, all that they'd managed to achieve, and many of us would be happy with this, was to plant three churches and to open one small orphanage. But in 1994, God spoke to her and said, I want you to go to Toronto. And she said, why, Lord? Isn't the the same God of Toronto the God of Mozambique? Why can't I receive here? But she bowed her will. And she said, okay, Lord, I'll go to Toronto. So she went to Toronto. And from the first day that she was there, God impacted her and filled her with the Holy Spirit. Many of you know what happened back in the 90s in Toronto and around the world. And as she was receiving from God, God spoke to her and said, Heidi, what do you want? And she said, I want Mozambique. And God said to her, I will give you Mozambique. And she went back. And since 1994, she and Iris Ministries, through which she works with Roland, have planted over 10,000 churches. The dead have been raised. Many. The blind see, the lame walk, the sick are healed. In fact, the state in which Iris Ministries is based, Pemba State, when she went there, was declared... In the, in, the, in the government as a Muslim state. So many Muslims have come to Christ, it is now declared a Christian state. This is what the power of God can do. And if you were to meet her and say to Heidi, what is the secret of your success? She would say one thing only, and she would say, it's intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. I've never seen another person like this. She doesn't care where she is, whether she's in the middle of a square, on a public street, wherever she is, she engages with God. She lives for encounter with God. She communes with her God. And she says, intimacy is the route to power. The more you go down, the more God will lift others up. The more you give yourself, the more God will pour through you. Heidi Baker, 
What a wonderful, wonderful example of what it is today, right now, brothers and sisters. She is living in a personal revival. She did not bother about the fact that when she went to Pemba, the spiritual atmosphere was minus zero. Do you understand? It was freezing. She lived in the love of God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and has changed the spiritual atmosphere of that state. And I want to conclude, and I just want to say a few words humbly about myself. I came to Jesus way back in 1973. In 1974, I got filled with the Holy Spirit and have sought to serve God faithfully throughout my life. But in 2003, to bring it up to date, Alex and I moved back from Cyprus and we lived here in Nottingham. But when I came back from that time of working as a missionary, I was somewhat burnt out and entered into a period of about seven years of being in a wilderness. And the only way I can explain it to you was I was like a dried out clay pot on a shelf. And my view of myself was, was, my best days are behind me. All I can look forward to now is retirement and heaven. And I lived in that state, a sad state, for some years, robbed by the enemy. Don't let yourself be robbed. Don't let yourself be robbed. So what happened? <laughs> Well, at that time, I was at the Heart Church, what is now the Heart Church. David Shearman was preaching. I don't remember the sermon, but at the end of it, he had a prophetic word. And he said, there are some people here today, and God says, I still have a work for you to do. And to me, that was like an arrow into my heart. And I said, okay, Lord, I will respond. I will run again for you. I will forget what lies behind in my life. I'm going to go again with you. What shall I do? And he only told me one thing. He said, pray in tongues every day and read the scriptures and let my spirit and my word shape you and make you into a vessel fit for my use. So I began to do that. I laid aside all my, my old Bible reading plans. So I was still doing that stuff. I was still filling the pew every Sunday, but not really being at all effective for God. And as I began to pray, God filled me again and again with the Spirit and began to give me a vision of revival in Nottingham. And now, what, you know, before that time, we often spoke as a couple about moving away from Nottingham. But once I received this vision, wild horses wouldn't drag me from here now. Because this is what God has shown me. And uh, at that point, I went to... South Wales, because I heard there was a revival going on. I wanted more of God. And on the last day at that revival, they said, if you want to take this blessing back to your city or town, come forward. And they prayed for me. And I saw this vision of this mighty dam. And I saw it burst open and a deluge of water as they were praying for me that I might take the blessing back to Nottingham. And this is what I am seeing in the Spirit. And it deluged the city and transformed the land landscape of this city and you know what's happened since that time for me I, I, I could only dream about it I mean that I've lived over four decades as a Christian but I could have only dreamed of it back then as, as, the, as the prophet Joel said because basically I, I began prison ministry and uh, 
Over these four years, God has moved in power in the prisons of our area. And it's been my joy since the last two years when I've kept records. Over 400 people, of men and women, have given their lives to Christ. I could have only dreamed of doing that. And I tell you, I, I walk out of Nottingham Prison and Foston Prison every month on cloud nine. I don't need to be here. I'm in heaven anyway. I'm living heaven in a prison. Is that possible? Yes, it is. It is absolutely amazing. And, you know, recently we, we started a service here on a Wednesday. And it's just been such an incredible joy to see ordinary men and women from our city coming. Some of them getting saved, baptizing them. And, you know, that all came out of a day when... I was praying about what do we do with those who are getting saved at our Wednesday. And God spoke to me out of the 1859 revival. It all started with one man who was a Christian who he, didn't even, he wasn't even a minister, but he just said, I'm going to start a midweek service for people in this city of New York. And the first week, six people turned up. The next week, um, 20. The following week, 40. And it exploded into what is known as the, the Second Great Awakening, where three million people came to Christ in America and Britain and Ireland. It was an outstanding move of God. Do you know, will we expect great things from God? Will we attempt great things for God? I believe God is saying to us, stop waiting for revival. Stop waiting for it. Step into it. As an individual, Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, come to me. Drink as much as you like. Immerse yourself. Saturate yourself. Deluge yourself in the Holy Spirit. It matters not what the spiritual atmosphere is around you. You can live your life as a red-hot Christian. And so for me, my future is where now? I, I love living every day. And I want to keep running for Jesus to my last and dying breath. Because I want to finish what he's called me to. So I'm going to conclude now. What do we do with this? I believe at the beginning of this year, God is calling each and every one of us to rededicate our lives to God, to go for the goal of life, which is to know Jesus intimately and the power of his Holy Spirit, to forget what lies behind, like the Apostle Paul said, and to press on and lay hold of that for which he laid hold of us, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, that we be true Antioch Christians anointed, filled, blessed. May God enable us to do this and may we as individuals and as a church change the spiritual landscape of our city and of our world. Amen. God bless you. Amen.